Kabotis must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Brett, delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Yeah! Yeah! What? What? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go into the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. Well, I, yeah. got, I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when yeah. they're not. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Apologia Radio. I'm Jeff the Coleman Ninja. That's Luke the Bear right there. What up? Welcome back, everybody. Good to see everybody. Sorry about the long delay in, uh, well, I was having a show. It's been a while, hasn't it? Has it has been, well, goodness, three weeks maybe? Four weeks? I think it has been. It's been a while. Yeah, because I was, we were in Nashville and then the retreat, and then last week you were sick. So, yeah. That's right. Yeah, so we're back, everybody, and uh, so glad you all joined us for this episode of Apologia Radio. As you guys can see from the description, we are going to be responding today to the questions surrounding the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference and the conference talk that I was able to give there. Uh, my duty was to uh, to engage in the fight aspect of the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference. And so want to welcome everybody to the show today. Thank you all so much for joining us. Make sure you guys share this across Damn internets across your social media platforms. Uh, point everybody actually to apologiastudios.com. A P O L O G I A studios.com. Apologiastudios.com. You guys can go there. You can get all of our past episodes. You can get everything we've done there. Hundreds and hundreds of radio shows uh, from back when we were on terrestrial radio and podcasts. Uh, that's why I say it, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Over the airwaves. You Joseph that's, Smith? Yeah, Terrestrial Kingdom. Uh, no, the, the uh, Apology of Studios, tons of stuff, and I have more to announce on that. If you celestial. Guys would, yeah, go sign up for it. Nice job. Telestial, Terrestrial, Celestial, Collab. By, by the way, sorry if y'all missed the shirt memo today. Yeah, actually, uh, accident. I came in, and then he came in, and we did not plan no. to be wearing exactly the same shirt. We did shirt. plan on being rowdy, though. But we did, yes. But it's highly appropriate, though, because we're wearing the shirt of the conference. It's totes approved. And we're talking about what happened to the conference. So, ApologiaStudios.com. Go there. Get all the past radio shows, episodes. Just great content there. Lots of great theologians, scientists, scholars. Uh, lots of cultural engagement. Stuff that will bless you guys. Theological discussion. All at ApologiaStudios.com, and you can set up for Apologia All Access. When you do, you make everything we do possible. So if you see the evangelism videos, if you see our sermon content, if you see teaching videos, engagement stuff on abortion, anything you're seeing there, uh, it's all made possible by partners in ministry with us, like yourself, who are with All Access. And when you sign up for All Access, you get 
additional content. You get the TV show. You get the after show. You get Apology Academy, where I believe we just uploaded a new one with Pastor James on church history. So tons of stuff is there. And, of course, I can make the announcement right now on Apologia Studios. It's better than we thought it was going to be, um, and that is about the Bonson Library. If you guys are unfamiliar with Dr. Greg Bonson and you're new to us, I mean, if you're if you've been with us for a while, you know about Dr. Greg Bonson. And so uh, Dr. Greg Bonson is one of my heroes of the faith. Um, uh, I consider him uh, one of the greatest giants of the Christian faith in terms of Christian philosophy and engaging the world with a comprehensive perspective of the Christian worldview, whether it's with issues of knowledge, epistemology, apologetics, whether it has to do with law and issues of justice and culture and society. I think Dr. Bonson was one of our greatest gifts. Um, and um, if you see Apologia Studios, much of what you see in our, in our engagement with the world is as a result of his teaching in my life. Now, I never met the man, but I did learn from him. I went to uh, Bonson Theological Seminary, which was later Christ Theological Seminary, uh, and learned from him via his audio lectures and all of that. Um, there are about 1,700 sermons, lectures, seminary courses up at cmfnow.com. They've been there for years. I've gone there countless times to download content, to learn from Dr. Greg Bonson. Uh, the problem is, is CMF Now, um, uh, it, it's such, been such a grand resource, an amazing resource for this treasury that we have of Dr. Bonson's lectures, I mean, on everything. I mean, it's a seminary uh, in a can sort of a thing. I mean, it really is, uh, it's, it's incredible. Uh, the problem is, is going to that website is kind of difficult to navigate at times, and then getting the content, kind of difficult. So I've been working with David Bonson, who's a friend and uh, someone I really love and greatly admire, who is Greg Bonson's son, and uh, we've been in plans for a long time to unveil this. Uh, thanks, thanks to uh, cmfnow.com and to, uh, to David Bonson, uh, all of Dr. Greg Bonson's content all of his seminary lectures, all of his teaching, I mean, through books of the Bible, exegesis, historical theology, church history, you name it. I mean, it's like a seminary, uh, a very solid seminary. Um, philosophy, apologetics, everything is there. We are going to have it at apologiastudios.com. Everything is underway right now. We're trying to build all that so you can basically go, you get an account, you're going to get content at apologiastudios.com that people haven't seen before. The video will also be available at ApologiaStudios.com. And I was told by Randy that he's sending us some, uh, uh, is it 35-millimeter, 8-millimeter tapes that have never actually yeah. been converted of uh, audio, sorry, video lectures and things that Dr. Bonson did. They never converted. So at ApologiaStudios.com, you'll be able to go there. You'll be able to get access to, to an online seminary of sorts uh, for your personal enrichment, for Bible studies, for your church, for young men being raised up in ministry. I can't recommend this highly enough. Um, it's going to be free. Did you hear that? Freezies. Free. Uh, it's all going to be, it's all being helped through an outside source to make sure that it's free and accessible to everybody. All you're going to have to do when it is up is go to apologiastudios.com, uh, get an account, and uh, you'll be able to sign in and get access to 1,700 lectures, courses. I mean, if you want to learn about apologetics, you're going to get everything from beginner to intermediate to advanced and seminary level. Uh, you name it. I mean, it's going to bless your life, and um, I can't, I can't. Uh, show my gratitude enough to the Bonson family and to God for uh, allowing us to have the privilege to mm -hmm. do this. So Amen. it's been a plan for a long time. Yeah, we've Luke, been working on it for, what, three Luke, years? I yes, think. Luke and I have been sitting on this for a long time. You guys know we've announced things like, if something happens, it's going to be incredible. It's going to be amazing. Well, it's finally happened, and so right now we're in the process, the staging process of building 
the site in such a way that it's easy to navigate. It looks pleasing, um, and it's just going to bless you. It's just going to bless you. So praise God for that. Um, and uh, I'm just going to say quickly because there's people having kittens on the uh, on the feed here because of the distortion of yeah, our mic. Yeah, we have like a lot of new equipment, so please. Be patient. We're trying to work through some of those bugs. Yes. All new lights, uh, all new audio stuff. And yeah. so, yeah, yeah. there's... Yeah, we got some distortion on the mic. So, Carmen, if you yeah. can ask Marcus maybe to help out with some of that, it might be good, too, to help everyone and, not... And Isaac usually does this, but he's on a he's mission away. trip yes. this week. So. Yeah, our team is out right now uh, trying to get content to actually interview some of the mothers with babies that have been saved from death because of end abortion now. By the way, last thing I'll say on this point, uh, endabortionnow.com, go there, get signed up with your churches. In the room next to me right now, you can't obviously see it, uh, it is piled up with boxes, r- kits, ready to send to local churches. Each one represents a local church that is signed up, that is going to go out and save babies and preach the gospel. Um, and that room is just filled with them right now, ready to get launched out to these churches. So we're praising God for that. Uh, just I'm seeing constantly testimonies from believers who said, hey, we started with an abortion now. We got all the free training and resources. And look at this picture of this baby. Look at this ultrasound. Look at these. Look at this mother and this baby uh, because of this work. And so praise God for that. End abortionnow.com is where you guys go to get signed up. And uh, I did want to share this with everybody. I know that I, I, I want to talk about what we're what we're doing, responding to using strong and foul words. Uh, I did use a strong word. I used a brutal word, um, and it was very purposeful. Uh, my elder here is right next to me in terms of uh, he can give an accounting of uh, my going to the elders and uh, making sure they understood that this was my plan and my reasoning behind it. It was not off the cuff. Uh, it was not uh, an emotional moment for me in terms of just because of emotion I use this word. I had it in my notes. Many of you guys know that um, I don't usually use a lot of notes. I usually have bullet points uh, for my sermon and mm-hmm. the things I'm talking about. Uh, but for this point, I actually wrote out word for word what I was going to say. And if you watch the video, you'll see that I actually was looking down at my paper as I was reading it because I wanted to be super careful, cautious. I wanted to, I wanted it to be principled and biblical. And um, I had a reason for saying it. And um, uh, to those that I was saying it to, uh, I meant every word and mm-hmm. um, or the word and the many more that followed it. It's interesting to me that many people who listened to it hung on that word, but they thought everything else that was That was fine. the least offensive thing you said. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, <laughs> so what I want to do today is just ask of you this. For those of you guys that disagree um, with uh, my choice of word um, at the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference, I want to ask that as, as a brother or sister in Christ, that you just give me a hearing. Um, give me a hearing uh, during this show to ask the question, is Jeff trying to be consistent? Uh, is, is he, is, does he have a biblical case for this? Um, again, this wasn't off the cuff. It wasn't um, an, a moment of energy and emotion. It was very much planned and principled. And I want to just say as we enter into this, uh, there are, and I'm going to get to this really cool video to bless you, but there are, uh, there are like two very principled positions from, from what I can see. I mean, at least two, but I mean, two strong ones. Uh, one would say, in terms of the language that we use as believers, Um, Yes, I recognize that the Bible uses strong denunciations and foul words. Um, The Bible uses what we would say are curse words, uh, foul language, dramatic language. Uh, And so people would say, I know the Bible says that, 
but I just don't think we need to do that. I think we need to have a good testimony. We just don't need to use those words. You know, we need to let no unwholesome word proceed from our mouths. I respect that position. I understand it. As a matter of fact, our fellow elder, uh, Pastor yeah. James, um, he, uh, we had to talk with him as well, and he just said, you know, I understand that you have a principled position here. I understand that none of this would make any sense to Martin Luther in terms of the controversy around the word. Martin Luther, the hero of the Reformation, used this kind of language often right. in table talk, and, and uh, it wouldn't have been shocking to him. He'd be like, why is everyone fighting over this? Uh, but he says, you know, I, I just personally couldn't do it, and I think there's better ways to do it. But he understands that our position also is a principled position. So even amongst elders, and that's why you have multiple elders, so there's mm -hmm. lots of wisdom. I've, I, uh, Dr. White is my teacher, my hero, my father in the faith in many ways, and um, I respect every word that comes out of his mouth. And so when he speaks, I listen. Uh, but there still can be disagreements in terms of like, uh, well, I think that we need to also be able to uphold this principle. There is another principled position, a biblically principled position, that says when in a fight, when in a fight, when there is a context of spiritual danger or degradation, uh, the Bible gives us that principle of using the shocking word, the foul word, to describe exactly the nature of what's going on. And uh, the Bible gives us principles on how to respond to the fool. And so there are principled positions that Christians can disagree on this point over. But I think what we can all agree on is that believers are supposed to have sanctified mouths and hearts and minds, and this ought not to be a part of our regular conversation. And the best way I can do it to lead into this is just to say this, if you would just give me a hearing on this. If there was a guy walking around town during peacetime, okay, there's a guy walking around time, town during peacetime, and he's always wearing camouflage and combat boots, and he's got the face paint on, and he's walking around town with a bazooka, and it's during peacetime, and he's always in this getup, and he's always walking around like this. He goes to Thanksgiving dinner with the bazooka and the face paints. I think we'd all be right to say to the guy, pull him aside and just say, hey, I need to talk to you about this. You may need to calm down, <laughs> right? Like you don't bring the bazooka and the face paint to Thanksgiving because there's a context. We'd all have to say rightly, I think you need to uh, think about your uh, wardrobe and what you're bringing to dinner. Right? Uh, you're with family right now and friends. No need for the bazooka. That might have to happen in California this year at Thanksgiving. During Christmas dinner, yes, yeah. that's right, because all the rules are putting on it. However, I think all of us would recognize that if we saw the guy in the camouflage, the face paint, the combat boots, and the bazooka behind enemy lines, we would tend to congratulate him on his wardrobe choice and his weapons choice, because we all recognize that there's a context Walking around like that during peacetime and at the Thanksgiving dinner is a problem. Being behind enemy lines and being in the midst of combat is a different situation. It's a wise weapons choice um, or a sniper rifle, whatever the case may be. So we all recognize that there are contexts. And I just want to put that down as a framework here as we talk about entering this discussion about using a principled position of biblically strong language of denunciation. That could include foul words. And I, I know I keep saying last word on this, but I, it's in my mind right now, I want to say it, it's something we all agree with. It's something we all grew up with. If you grew up in a Christian church, you know this. Um, we all agree with this. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Now, of course, that's the language that the English translation has used in terms of that word in the Hebrew. But can I ask you a question? If you know this, you know what I'm talking about. What does all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags really mean? Did you ever have a pastor explain that to you? Ever have a teacher explain it to you? What is filthy rags? 
just sort of the the dirty rags in the um in the car repair shop you know covered in 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 soot and 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 oil like that kind of filthy rag no actually filthy rags we all understand if you've done the exegesis of this passage if you've understood this Isaiah is using a principled position, a biblical righteous position as a prophet, to make sure he he gets across the point in a dramatic way. Your righteousnesses are as filthy rags, which are what? Used women's menstrual Mm -hmm. rags. Okay, now we all understand that. Can I ask you a question? Is that foul? Not only is it foul and gross and not the kind of conversation you bring into polite uh, Thanksgiving dinners. Like, for example, can I ask you a question? Do you think Isaiah was at, at dinner and, 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 and fellowship with friends and family just using this language off the cuff all the time? No. He's using it at a, at a point right. in a context for a reason, to and he uses point. the foul. Because yeah. think about this for a second. What are um, used women's menstrual garments? They are ceremonially unclean. And they are also, ready, gross. Mm-hmm. And so you have, and I can, I'm going to give you lots of examples today, but you have examples in Scripture of when there's a spiritually dangerous issue, something's at stake, you have the principled biblical position to use the dramatic. Now, here's my concern. If, as Christians, you hear a pastor who has a reputation amongst his family and friends of trying to guard his mouth and having, having had God sanctify me in this area in dramatic ways— from when I first heard the gospel, my mouth and my heart changed. When you see a, a pastor uh, using this kind of language, you, I think, okay, you need to ask questions in terms of, is this biblical? Is it possible to use this language? Because here's my fear. Here's my fear. When we set up a pious standard, a standard of piety surrounding language, when we set up a standard of language um, that makes the biblical authors look like they're sinning, it's your false piety that's wrong. Mm. Because what I want to say is this. If we set up a standard of pious language where we say you can never use the dramatic, you can never use the gross, you can never use the shocking, you can never use that language, it's just unchristian, it's unchristlike, don't do it, then you're going to have a really hard time when you see Paul doing it, you see Jesus doing it, you see Ezekiel doing it, you see Isaiah doing it. And when you make the biblical authors look like they're sinning for the sake of your false piety, there's a problem. What I want to say is we should all have the principled position that what comes out of our mouths matters. Mm -hmm. It comes from the heart, first and foremost. But we need to understand that there are contexts in which you use the dramatic language. And I'll just give give you a setup on this real fast. The same pastor, the same apostle that said, let no unwholesome word come from your mouth, also said in Galatians chapter 5, he said this, you are running well, verse 7, who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, The offense of the cross has been removed, and here it is. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. That's a very nice English way of putting that. What's he saying there? These guys that like to play with knives? 
these Judaizers who really want to, they want to circumcise, that's their thing. They really want to add, bring this thing over. He says, Christ would be of no benefit to you. Whosoever of you attempts to be justified by law, you've fallen from grace. You choose this, he says, you've fallen from grace. It's either Christ or not. And he says, I, I hope these, I wish these guys that are, you know, they love circumcision, I wish they'd go ahead and cut themselves off. Now, can I ask you a question? Is that wholesome talk? Is that the kind of talk you have around Thanksgiving dinner? Huh? You think Paul was talking about like that all the time? I don't. But when in a fight and people's souls are at stake, he says, yeah, I hope you chop yourself off. Just cut it all off. Is that polite conversation? Is that wholesome talk? Well, I think we need to make sure that we have a standard of language that doesn't make the biblical writers look like they're sinners, recognizing that there are contexts for this kind of dramatic language. Now, again, you may not agree with me, and we may end this show today, and you still don't agree with me, and I still love you in Christ. I'm still your brother in Christ. You're still my brother or sister in Christ, but that's okay. What I think we need to do is ask the question about, is there a principled way, mm -hmm. biblical way of looking at this? So, <clears throat> Yeah, well, just a couple of things. Um, I actually have a lot of things, but just at this point, like you mentioned, you know, is that unwholesome talk? And I'm sure you're going to get into this, but I've, I've heard a lot of people bring that up. That's Ephesians 4.29. A lot of people say, oh, this, you know, Bible says let no unwholesome talk or the ESV says no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, um, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion. As fits the occasion. Which a lot of people are leaving out. Um, but <clears throat> I was just going to say that, I mean, I grew up in a fairly legalistic Baptist church, um, you know, had amazing Christian grandparents and parents grew up in a strong Christian home, but was very legalistic. Um, so, like, I sympathize with people that are upset, um, but I obviously disagree with them. And and because I grew up thinking, you know, if that man's smoking a cigarette, he's going to hell. That man has a beer, he's going to hell. That man has tattoos, he's going to hell. Like that's how I grew up thinking. They're dancing, hell, hell, you know, like right. Satan, Satan, movies, bad, cards, bad, you know, like all that. So um, I've come out of that, you know, and you kind of mentioned uh, false piety. And to, to me, the people that are, are mostly upset about you using that, the word that you used, to me is modern day Pharisaism because they've they've set a standard um, separate from scripture that these things are wrong, these things are sins, even if it's not in scripture as a sin. Right. Um, and that's why people are upset, I think, because like it's it's like a sacred cow. It's like you, you said that word and there's in that position there's no acceptable use or or, or context to use that word whatsoever. Right. It's automatically a no-no. And it's like, well, yeah, I had this discussion with someone last week that I love very much that disagreed, but I said, you know, why are you upset that Jeff used that word? And it was like, well, because it, uh, you know, I, in my mind, when someone uses that word, it's, you know, there's no control. It's something you say on the fly. And I was like, well, do you think Jeff said it like that? No. Well, then what's the problem? Right. And they're like, well, it's an inappropriate it's an inappropriate use of the word. And I was like, actually, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. I think it's a completely appro appropriate use of the That's term. That's why I use it. Because yeah. term, right. I know. Because term, yeah. words have meanings. Right. And you use it completely appropriately in the context. It's just because it's that sacred cow. It's on that that um, <laughs> whitewashed tombs list of things you don't do as a Christian. Well, 
you yeah. know. So I go ahead. That's what no, I no. You bring a good, good point. It's uh, it's something a friend of mine says. Uh, I think we need to, to grapple with this. And it's actually a good point. Yeah. Um, is there a list of dirty words in heaven? Mm. Right. Where is, is is there a record in heaven of, of dirty words? Now, now, guys, understand this. Please understand what I'm saying. This I understand that there are foul words and curse words. And believe me, if my children walked around with these kinds with a foul mouth, or if I did. It's confrontation time. It's discipline time. Yeah. It's not allowed in my home. And like I said in the message, as I, as I qualified everything, if my children heard me curse, they'd be shocked. They'd be shocked because I've never cursed at my kids in anger. They have never heard it one time. I've got, a, I've got two kids married and grown out of the house with children. I have grandchildren now. And those two older kids will tell you my father has never, not once in my entire life, not once has he ever cursed in my home out of anger, lost his temper, lost his lips. That's because of the grace of God, because I'm not that man. That's the man I actually Mm. was before, but I praise God that God allowed my kids to grow up in a home that wasn't like that. I didn't have that kind of home, and so I praise God for that. But is there a list of dirty words in heaven? And the reason why I say this is, please forgive me here, if if there is anybody watching right now from the UK or listening in the UK, please forgive me. Know that I'm not going to use a curse word. I'm going to talk about the context of meaning and intention behind words. So, Luke, you'll remember this, I think, well, because it was uh, the first couple of years of Apologia. What did we used to make fun of if men carried around? What did we we make fun of? I still do. A fanny pack. A fanny pack. We would say, if you're a man, do not wear a fanny pack. As a matter of fact, I I think all fanny packs are from Satan. Don't wear a fanny pack. I hate fanny packs. We still hate fanny packs. Not even if you put your gun in there, it still doesn't count. Don't especially put a gun in a fanny pack. That's immediate... You get your man card revoked if you put your gun in your fanny pack. You might as well have like a squirt gun. Or yeah, don't there. do it. Please don't do it. That's evil. And I love when people are like, do you like my fanny pack? No, stop asking me. I don't like it. I never will like it. Don't wear it. But when we first started, Luke will remember this. When we first started, we would do these shows where we would have these little segments we joke about fanny packs. And we started getting messages from friends and uh, brothers and sisters in the UK overseas who were saying, hey, guys, just know that while I was playing that in my car, I had to quickly grab the knob and turn it down. Uh, You guys need to understand that fanny pack in our culture, that's a dirty word. You can't say that F word in our culture. Don't use the F word. And I said, well, what should we call it? And they said, call it a bum bag. A bum bag. A bum bag. And so I was thinking to myself about this. I was like, we in America, we call it fanny pack. No big deal. You have like a sign over, like fanny packs, like here, here. Yeah. It's like in this, it's in the stupid section. Like fanny packs over here. Like, you know, they should be free wherever they're at, by the way. But um, uh, fanny packs, it's no big deal for us, but it's an F word over in the UK. You don't say that because it's actually slang for something else. And so they'd say, use bum bag. Well, the problem is when you say bum in the United States, that has certain connotations to it too. Bums are people who are degenerates. They don't want to work. They sit out on the side of the road begging for change. They don't want to work. They're doing drugs. It's a bum. So it's a pejorative. In our culture, to use the word bum is a pejorative. So it all has to do with intention right. and meaning. The intention of the heart. Yeah. The intention of the heart and the meaning. Now, I'm not saying that somebody should say, hey, the Bible uses pretty strong, foul language at times, so therefore it's perfectly appropriate to, to use it all the time. Absolutely false. If there were people in our church behaving that way or in our homes, we would be confronting them. But when in a fight, but when in a fight, is it ever right to use the same kind of prophetic denunciation 
that you see from the Apostle Paul, from the Lord Jesus, that you see from Ezekiel, you see from Isaiah? Is it, is it, is it, uh, is it something we should be able to do? And I would argue yes, but that's a principled biblical position. Again, thoughtful, with precision. You knew that I meant it. I wrote it down. I passed it through my elders. It was prayerful. It was something that um, uh, that uh, was was very well thought out, and I meant it to the people I was addressing. But for those of you guys that are brothers and sisters that are like, I wish I wasn't ready for it, I'm going to say, please forgive me um, if I didn't qualify it enough or explain enough or you weren't ready for it. I have no intention of hurting brothers or sisters in Christ who are faithful before the Lord. Um, so for those of you guys that, that, that feel like I could have qualified it better or explained it, then please accept my apologies. But for those that I was directing it to, the pimps in the pulpit, I meant it. I meant it. Mm -hmm. And I do not take it back. I meant every word of it because it's all true. Um, okay, so just uh, to lighten the mood for a second, I wanted to show this, and I don't want to miss anybody who's watching. We have 700 people watching right now. I don't want you guys to miss this. Um, Carmen, get ready to switch to my computer here in a moment. Um, so just for fun, just to sort of bring you into something amazing that happened in our lives. Luke's been in with this way for a whole, the whole year. Wade has been a part of blessing my family in this area. He's off, off stage right now. Uh, our whole church has. Many of you guys made this possible in our lives, and so I want to say thank you. Many of you guys are aware of Augustine. He's finally adopted now. It's all official. It's all finished. It's done. It's, it's God blessed it. And I want to say an official thank you once again to everybody who participated in actually helping to pay for his adoption. We didn't have the money. We didn't expect this. You all came through overnight. Literally, I put up the live stream saying, here's what's happening. And by like eight in the morning, the whole thing was funded up to almost $30,000. So praise and glory to God for that. But I wanted to share this with you guys, at least while I have most of you here. Um, I wanted to share with you the moment. It's kind of sad in a way because it didn't take place in an official courthouse, which I would have wanted. Um, but uh, it took place in our living room on a Zoom call with the judge and a lawyer. Uh, but this was my favorite part of the whole hearing uh, before the adoption. This is the part that meant so much to me. And this is after they asked me the questions. Then they asked my wife, Candy. They asked her the questions. It was a very emotional moment. It was a very powerful moment, and uh, I wanted to share it with all of you. You guys will be seeing this in a much bigger form soon. Marcus is working on something right now. But all praise to God for what he did with Augustine, the miracle he performed in his life, saving his life from abortion, and delivering him to our family and letting it be official now that we've adopted him. And one more word on that. This is something I didn't expect. The judge said at the end of the hearing, after hearing about his story, that she wanted to make a note for the record of the court this, that this child is a blessing from God and a miracle <laughs> on the official court record. That's, awesome. That's what the judge said. All right, everyone. So here's the moment that'll stay with me forever. This is uh, when the judge started talking, or the, the attorney started asking my wife questions. Here it is. And are you presently 39 years of age? Yes. Have you heard all the questions that I asked your husband this afternoon? Yes. Have you heard all of his answers? Yes. And is it your desire? Is, do you agree with all of his answers? Yes. And is it your desire that you adopt this child today? Yes. <laughs> Does your honor have any questions for mom? I do not. And then your honor... So that was, for me, one of the most touching moments of this whole experience was knowing 
what the Lord did in Candy and I to get us to a place where we would adopt Augustine and, and to have that moment, to have that final moment settle on us where we're being asked by the court, you know, do you want to adopt him officially? It was, it was a powerful moment for me. It's something I will never, ever, ever forget. Um, let's ready to get into this now. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's uh, bring everybody into the story of the conference real fast. Um, I wasn't going. Up until I think a month. I don't even, no, I think it was less than that. Uh, it might yeah. have been like two weeks. Yeah, yeah. it might have been. Yeah. So I, I just got a message from like Luke was going because he was doing stuff for End Abortion yeah. Now, and so we needed some, to get some additional content to meet with some people, and um, and then I got a message from Gabe. He said, uh, "Can you come to the conference?" And I said, "You know, I, I love these guys, and so they always do stuff for us." I was like, "Absolutely, I'll I'll, I'll do this. I'll serve with you guys." And then he sent me the uh, the title of the message, <laughs> and it was like Vantillian kill shots, like teach people how to fight against some of these monsters right now, these dragons we have to slay. And it was uh, BLM, LGBT, and it was uh, the abortion issue. And of course, all that for me is in the context of what we see the woke church embracing right now. That's like one of the major dragons we have to slay right now. And so I was told to take a one-hour talk and, and basically undermine all those positions biblically. And so it's very difficult to say, like, oh, goodness, like, what do I even touch? Well, like, that's, that's almost like no time. I, I mean, how do you teach people how to engage and then to actually engage with those three and then try to apply it to the moment? It was tough, but I thank God. And by the way, it's up right now. The whole sermon is up at Apologia Studios on YouTube. You can watch the entire thing. And good news, everybody was concerned with this. Some people said this. They said, I'm concerned that with the clip that was shared, mm-hmm. that was a condensed mm-hmm. clip so that it can go out to everyone it was right. addressed to, by the way. It wasn't for fun. Uh, it was to make sure it's shareable to get to who we needed to get to, to, to denounce those things. People were worried, well, Jeff, if people hear you speaking like this, using this kind of strong language, they're not going to listen even to the whole sermon, which they need to hear. Um, well, the good news is I think um, over uh, it's like something like double. Yeah, the, the full I was sermon, actually surprised by that. So. The full sermon has, has been seen yeah. double the amount of times as the clip, and uh, I think it's been seen by over 200,000 people at this point, so praise God uh, for that. But uh, anyways, so conference, uh, I was told to deal with the fight issue. How do you teach Christians how to fight against these things? Um, and um, that's what I did. Do you have anything? You can jump in. Uh, well, I think set, setting this up, the context is important. Um, this was not a, a Sunday uh, gathering. This was not a worship service. This was a conference um, that was, you know, essentially trying to rally the troops and s- inspire um, Christians to fight. Um, so I think that context is important. Cause I do, I do believe there is a difference, right? And because I know a lot of people have said, you know, well, you should never say that from the pulpit. And it's like, well, this is a different context than that. Um, so I do think that's important. Um, and as far as uh, you know, I've heard people saying that you were just trying to be like Mark Driscoll. Um, uh, no, I do find that offensive. Yeah. Uh, um, cause I mean, when, when Driscoll got in trouble for doing that early on, it was in the pulpit and it was kind of cavalier and kind of off the cuff. It wasn't, it was not principled and, and there was no real context to it. It was just tension. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I, I do, I just want to throw those out before you get, uh, too far into this. Yes, and so uh, I was told to deal with the fight issue. Uh, we need to talk about the principle of language as we get into this discussion here. Uh, and uh, let's let, let let me do 
well, no, I'll get to that in a moment. I'll play, I'm going to play a clip from Dr. Sproul explaining this exact point in terms of the Apostle Paul. Just stay with me, everyone, as we work through a couple things here. Uh, the principle of language, uh, again, I want to suggest that if we as Christians set up a standard of pious language and uh, words that we can never use um, under in, 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 in any context or anything, th- then we're going to make the authors of Scripture look very bad, right? Because they're using these kinds of words in particular contexts. So what I want to say is a principled position that says, I recognize that what comes out of our mouths matters to mm-hmm. God. We need to have sanctified tongues. Uh, we need to be able to bridle our tongues. But there is a principled biblical position in terms of actually using these kinds of strong words to denounce yeah. things, uh, I mean, words that people would say is like a potty word. Well, you know, I'm going to read to you some stuff in just a moment here, so get ready. I hope your uh, homeschool, homeschool moms are uh, making sure you protect the kids and understanding what's going to happen here in a moment. So we need to understand the principle of language. Uh, let no unwholesome word come from your mouth. is coming from the same guy, the same guy that says he hopes that these Judaizing, Judaizing heretics, he hopes that God damns them to hell. Galatians 1. Do you know what accursed means? That, that angel from heaven or he comes back, let him be accursed. That means eternally damned and condemned. So the Apostle Paul says, I hope these guys, I hope God damns them to hell forever. Um, and then when you have Galatians chapter 5, he's saying to the, about the same heretics, he's saying, I hope they cut themselves off. Is that unwholesome talk? Or do we need to read the Apostle Paul in context to understand the difference between a Christian normative experience with your family, with your church, in regular life, and then being in a fight with people who are leading people to hell? Do we understand the difference, is my question. Do we understand how deadly this stuff is and how serious it is? That's my question. So the first thing I'm going to do is go in terms of, like, do we have examples in Scripture of this kind of language being used. And by the way, I'm not going to in any way exhaust this today. It's a short show, and so we can't. I want to just point you guys to Ezekiel chapter 16. If you want, go listen to my message. I read from Ezekiel 16. I'm just going to point you to it, because Ezekiel 16 is an example of the prophets using a principle, a principled position of righteous speak and language denouncing the harlot wife of God. And what he says there is he says that she was this... Be- Look, this is amazing, too, because it says in Ezekiel, this, this vision of the bride. He's, God says he beautifies her. He makes her beautiful. He says he puts a ring in her nose, and he, you know, he makes her glorious-looking. So apparently God is a fan Face of... Face jewelry is a sin, too. Yeah, apparently God's a, a fan of facial piercing uh, to beautify his wife. It's a holy uh, So, like, another thing. By the way, that's a great example. Another example, just what you're talking about. You'll have a standard of fundamentalism that says... Look at that girl over there. She's got a she's got a nose ring in. What a disgusting unbeliever or something like that. And it's like you set that up as a standard of righteousness and piety, and then you look over in the Bible and right. God's describing how he beautifies his wife and he says he puts a ring in her nose. Mm-hmm. So who's wrong? You or God in terms of beautifying a woman and giving her jewelry and even a facial piercing? Because it says it in the text. So an example is in Ezekiel when he says he makes his beautiful, he makes his bride beautiful. He says, then you went off and you hoard yourself out to all these surrounding nations. And he says, but you're different than other harlots. You're different than other whores. You're a different kind of slut. And what does that mean? Well, he says that these other prostitutes, like he says, uh, they would get paid. Uh, for what they do. He says, but you go and you offer your gifts to everyone else. No one's even seeking to pay you, and you just give it away. Like, you offer yourself by the side of the road to all these surrounding nations, and and 
no one's asking for it, and you're just giving yourself away. You are a whore. That's what God. That's how God describes his wife. And I'm, by the way, I'm being mild here. Read it later, Ezekiel 16, in terms of the strong, dramatic, graphic language that God uses there. Uh, but I'm going to give you another one, and this is one I had to give a public apology about because I didn't use it. I had something prepared to describe the woke church to using Ezekiel 23:20, and I didn't have the courage. I'm still a man who's a work in progress, but I, it's in my notes. I can even show you. It's in my bag. I can show you where it had after my, my speech, Ezekiel 23:20. I was going to do something based upon that, but I didn't have the courage to do it because I thought people were going to misunderstand and say I have a potty mouth. Isn't that amazing? I didn't actually give you the punch from Scripture because I was afraid people would say I have a potty mouth. But Ezekiel 23.20, if you haven't read it, this is the same denunciation of the harlot wife. In Ezekiel 23.20, here's a very, very sanitized English version, I think. And uh, she lusted after her lovers there. This is the harlot wife. Whose members were like those of donkeys and whose issue was like that of horses. Now, again, that's a very proper English way to put such a dramatic roast of this harlot. Lovers with members the size of donkeys, whose issue or emission is like that of horses. When we say, let no unwholesome talk come from your mouth, and we say that means never use the dramatic, never use the graphic, never use the shocking, never use that vile word to get across the point. I have a question. If that's the standard, did Ezekiel just violate it? This inspired prophet of God with the words of the living God, these are holy and pure and good words. Did he violate the standard of let no unwholesome talk come from your mouth? Because he just said, you're such a whore. You look for the guys with the biggest and who ejaculate like horses. Brothers and sisters, that's in the text of the Word of God, Ezekiel 23, 20. So, here's the point. I'm not saying as a minister of the gospel that you as a Christian go and start speaking like that at the dinner table all the time. It's a principled position when you're in a fight and there is spiritual danger ahead. You even use the graphic, the dramatic, to show the person where they're really at. Give them a visual this is what you're like. You're, you're like this dirty woman who offers herself to everybody and you're not even getting paid for it. You're such a different kind of prostitute and you're such a, you're so lustful that you're just, you, he, he says you're so, he's teaching that you're so lustful, you're so consumed with this sexual immorality that you are like a fiend going to look for lovers with the biggest and who ejaculate like, that's, that's the point is that dr- drive the point across with a dramatic visual mm-hmm. to shock. Do you think Israel, when they heard Ezekiel talking like that, they were like, I get it. They were like, oh, what? What did you say? They probably said Ezekiel had a potty mouth. I mean, it, people say, well, look, Ezekiel did a lot of crazy things. Like he was told to do weird stuff. Like this guy was told to will marry a, pro- a prostitute. And this person was told to like lay naked and like, are we to do those things too? Uh, only through special revelation. Like, the only way I would say that you use prophetic symbolism like that is if you have revelation from God, you ain't getting today. <laughs> so no. If a guy tells me, God told me to run down the street naked just now, because I saw it in the Bible, I would say, no, he didn't. There is no special revelation coming from God today to tell you to do something like that. However, if a guy said, yeah, I used a very strong principled position and word against an evil like this over here, I would say, 
Did you have a basis for that? Because there's biblical basis in terms of that kind of language from Scripture. How'd you use it? Why'd you use it? What were you trying to do? Was your heart in the right place? Those are the questions that need to be asked. Well, I, th- I think that's actually, I'm, I said that jokingly a second ago, but Israel clearly didn't repent from their whoring after other gods, right? So when Ezekiel said that to him, instead of like being cut to the heart to repent of their idolatry, they probably were like, Ezekiel, you got a foul mouth and completely ignored what he was accusing them of. And that's, you know, I know that the reason you used the word you did was to really to wake up the church, right. you know, and so it's just, so it's doing that. I think it's doing that. But on the other hand, you have Christians that are completely ignoring the accusations mm-hmm. and they're going to go on with their woke ways, but mm-hmm. they're like having a cow about you using that word. And, and so it's the same, it's the same thing. Well, it's like. It's well. It's a good point. Yeah. I think important what you're talking about is one of my concerns. I want to say praise God to all of you, my brothers and sisters, who were bothered by this, and you immediately went to the public square via social media and you started coming out very strongly, very, very, very powerfully, very confidently, very boldly against even my use of this word. All I would do is ask you this. Would you look through your... I don't mean this to be offensive, or I just want to sort of lovingly challenge you. Would you look through your thread over the last year, and would you ask yourself this question? Did I ever have a moment like this with the woke church? Was I ever this serious in the public square to denounce their um, false teaching, their division, their adopting of pagan principles and philosophies? Uh, do I have a do I have a track record of actually engaging in the public square as forcefully I did against Jeff Durbin, my brother, um, on these other issues, or am I just going after soft targets? Because brothers and sisters, I'm a soft target. I love you. I want to be humble. I want to listen to you. But you know what? I'm not the enemy. The woke church mm-hmm. and that Marxism and all the nonsense they're bringing into the church—that's the enemy. And I am very, very glad, and I mean this sincerely, I do. You, you may not believe this, but I mean this. I'm glad to see that brothers and sisters who did disagree with me on this use of this word are, have the courage and the ability to get in the public square and to fight when it counts, when they believe it counts. All I would say is this. Um, I think you need to recite your weapon and put it in the right direction right. because if the word bothered you enough to get in the public square and start fighting, but the woke church hasn't, something's wrong. And that's, by the way, one of the reasons I use the word right. was to wake us up. I, and I think I've only said two things publicly <laughs> this whole time because I'm too busy, to be honest, um, to get involved in Facebook drama. But um, I, I, one thing I said was, you know, because people, I've seen all manner of threads, you know, in different groups and stuff, uh, upset, whatever. And, you know, people just going on for hours and hours and hours. And I said, look, like, we should be we should be busy right now doing things that matter. Um, you know, and, and the analogy I used was, you know, when Christ resurrected from the dead, what was the first thing he did? He got to work. He was gardening. Like we should be gardening and not standing around arguing what we should call the fertilizer that Jesus is using in the garden. And that's what's happening. So my, my encouragement, my admonishment to the church is like, quit arguing over the, over this one term and get to work and fight against what matters. Very good. That's right. So another point in terms of just working through the examples here, we have all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. That's a foul word. 
That's a foul thing to think about. Uh, that is something that's ceremonially unclean and would have been seen as sinful um, in terms of bringing in and around people. Uh, and so Isaiah uses it to describe our righteousnesses. So is there an example of a principled prophetic use of a word in a fight or in a seriously spiritually concerning issue, to use that kind of language. I think we know this all the time instinctively. But I'll give you another example, uh, the Apostle Paul. And this this became, actually, I was surprised. It became a point of controversy. It was interesting. I, I was trying to explain in, in the, to qualify mm-hmm. and to explain in the, in the uh, message that I gave, yeah. in the talk that I gave, I was trying to explain, look, Here's, here's, I'm going to use Jesus' words about man-made traditions. Mm. Thus you invalidate the Word of God for the sake of your tradition or yeah. whatever. So I was trying to use Jesus' word. Jesus is in a fight. He always compares the Word of God to their stuff. Yeah. I was also trying to answer the fool according to their folly. The woke church doesn't want to obey Scripture and yield to no. Scripture. They want to ob- obey Marx, Engels. Mm-hmm. They want to adopt the BLM Marxist principles. They want to go to intersectionality. They want to go to critical race theory. They want to destroy the church by making a racist church. Right. Is what they're doing. Oh, absolutely. They say yeah. they're opposed to racism, but critical race theory and yeah. intersectionality creates racism. Yeah. And uh, so they want to adopt all that. They've abandoned the word of God. Right. So what I was saying was, and I taught this in the message, answer the fool according to their folly. Step into their position and show them their feet. So I was stepping into their position by using a word they can understand. Mm. They've adopted worldly principles, and they've gone to the world. So I'm stepping into their world and saying, you've invalidated it for sake of your stuff. And uh, so I was using a word that they can understand, answer the fool according to their folly. You may not agree with me, but that's what I was trying to do. I even taught on it with chairs in the message. You can watch it. But I was surprised because I said, well, if you're not comfortable with this— that you invalidate it for the sake of your scubula. Yeah. And what I thought we understood as Christians right. is that wherever, whatever you think that word means, all of us understand as Christians that it was a foul, mm. dirty, vile thing, mm-hmm. that he was using it as a shocker. Right. He's saying, I'm going to fight with these guys, these guys over here who are troubling you, these guys, he's like, look, you want to compare resumes, Philippians 3, he says, all right, I'll do it. He says, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin, he says, I'm circumcised the eighth day, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, I persecuted the church, I tried to destroy it, sort of a thing, he says in Galatians. But in Philippians, he says about, he says, and I want to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law. His enemies are bragging about their stuff. He says, look, I can beat him with the resume, but here's the deal. Even with my resume and, and, and with regard to the law, blameless, that's tongue-in-cheek, by the way, because nobody is righteous. He's saying, like, they have nothing to accuse me of. He says, here's what I have. All of my stuff. Mm-hmm. Sounds kind of like Isaiah, doesn't it? Filthy rags. All of my stuff, I count it as I thought we all understood as Christians, at least he's using a shocking, dramatic word there, a dirty word. Yeah. People are saying, well, scuba law, scuba law, it doesn't really, it's not really, a, it's not really a curse word sort of a thing. Well, I thought, oh, that's odd. I wasn't really trying to argue for what kind of word specifically it is. Is it a curse word? Does it equate to, you know, BS sort of a thing? Um, I was just saying, we all understand it's a foul, dirty thing he brought into the conversation. Uh, but then someone sent me this from Dr. Sproul speaking about this subject of scubula. So, Carmen, just go ahead and get set here to play this from Dr. Sproul. Believed the gospel. Secondly, from their perspective, they had absolutely nothing to lose. The Apostle Paul used a crudity in the Bible that no English translator up till this day has been bold enough 
to translate accurately in the vernacular. Instead, they have taken the word of the apostle under the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit and translated it with an English euphemism. And the euphemism that is chosen as the choice of most translators is the word dung. It's not the word the apostle used in the text. But forget that. What he was saying, however nice word you want to use, he said, whatever things I've gained in this world, I count as dung. So I also thought it was amusing there that Dr. Sproul is arguing that all these translators sanitize the word yeah. by using dung, but he doesn't even have the courage to say what Paul actually said. He's like, this is really like a, a foul word, a dirty <laughs> word. He says, but dung. Um, well, my, my point is um, on that, uh, for those that didn't quite understand what I was getting at, when I said scubala, I think we all understand that word was, a, as, was a, a not nice word in regular conversation. It was a dirty word. It was a powerful, dramatic word. If you want to argue about how much of a dirty word it was, I would say go argue with Sproul because I think he would have words with you. Some people are saying it doesn't, it just means garbage. It, there's, it's, it's more dramatic <laughs> I than heard that. table scraps. Yeah, there. exactly. So um, I, I would say if you have an argument with me, I'm not in that fight. I didn't mean it in, to become a major point of controversy, but if you really want to argue it, go have it with Dr. Sproul. Um, so again, my principle there was also answer the fool according to their folly. Step into their position and show them their feet. What I was trying to do in speaking to the woke church and to the pimps in the pulpit in the woke church who are destroying the church, they will destroy the gospel and the church of the living God. That's how serious this is. Uh, I was trying to answer them according to their folly. They want to go into the world? I'll, sh I'll, I'll use language they understand. I will use the dramatic so they understand. And again, it was principled. It was passed through elders. It was meditated upon. It was written down. It wasn't off the cuff. It was very principled. And again, if brothers and sisters, you say you just can't talk like that, I'm going to say, be careful. Be careful because the savvy atheist will catch that contradiction. They'll say, oh, what's that? You say you can't use that language ever? Well, then what's it doing in the Bible? Look at this foul language in the Bible. By the way, do you know that I've had people on the street bring up these instances to me to talk about how the Bible is a dirty book and disgusting? They did it in the context of this. Read Genesis? You want my kids to read Genesis? You've got this guy sleeping with his daughters when he gets drunk. You've got this guy taking advantage of this person here. It's gross because the Bible tells you real history. Tells you what tells you what really happened. You want me to read Ezekiel 23:20 to my kids? I've had atheists use this against me in conflict on the street. And brothers and sisters, consistency matters to me. I was taught that by Pastor James. Consistency matters. As Christians, we should care about consistency. And I dare you to stand on the street in conflict with a group of atheists when they bring up these texts here and you say, no, Christians should never talk like that. But they're talking like that. Do you get the point? But there's a context mm -hmm. to it. There's a principled way to do it. Yeah, and I think just quickly on this point, um, you know, this person I was talking to last week, you know, I said, like I said, I said at the beginning of the show that that word was the least offensive thing you said intentionally. But, um, you know, they said, well, I don't have a problem with the other words that Jeff used because, you know, they're in the Bible. And I, and so, of course, we brought up the discussion on Skubalon and and I said, well, I would disagree. I would say that Skubalon is a pretty you know, strong word. And, you know, so we, we, my point is that we came to this 
point in the road where they were like, well, I've read a lot of stuff that said otherwise. And I said, well, I can show you just as much stuff that validates my point. Right. So the point is we've come to this, like, there's like this point in the road where it's like, can we agree to disagree? I respect and understand your position where you're coming from. Can you respect and understand my position? Because I can have just as much context and scholarly work to support this. But the problem is that because again, it's that sacred cow that Christians are just like, Nope, done, done. I can't hear, I can't hear anything else you say. And I can't listen to that man anymore because, and it's like you, that that's where I'm like, okay, piety might be a problem for you. Yeah. If you come to that point and you're saying, no, I can't, it's, you might have a problem with being overly pious. It might be an idol for you at that point. Yeah, and is it is it is it, is it a biblical <clears throat> form of piety? Because exactly. we, we all believe that piety is an important thing. Right. But it's a question of is it biblical? Right. Is it, is it God-honoring piety, or is it just personal preferences called righteous? Right. So can I let's, let's make this fairly intimate now for everybody who's listening to us. This is where this is where we we're gonna, I think put legs on it because we can go all day long. Uh, we could. I don't want to do that, though. Just yeah. belaboring the point of all of the times in Scripture you see the prophets using mockery, mocking. Was your, is your God on the toilet? Well, that's not nice. Um, you know, be a little nicer to Baal. Like, you know, uh, you, you can do it all day long. You can just go Scripture after Scripture after Scripture, showing the strong denunciation, the foul language, what we would see as a curse word being used, but used in a right context and righteously. But I think, Luke, we just need to put legs on it, because here's one of the things that bother me the most. In terms of, like, I slept well. By the way, for all of you guys who, who were saying nasty things and doing videos, just know that when we, when I, I'm not a perfect man, but when I put something before the Lord and I say, this is for your glory, Lord, I know that I stand or fall before him. And I want you to know that I slept so well the last two weeks. I, not, even a, not even a wink of, uh, oh, no. <laughs> uh, I know what I did and why I did it, and I did it before the Lord. Now, truth, of course, we all know that whatever we do, we need to do to the glory of God. And when we get before the Lord Jesus for reward or lack of reward, we'll know whether it was stone, hay, stubble, or gold, right? I mean, that's, that's for the Lord to determine. Uh, but I, I want people to hear this. This is the thing that did concern me, Luke. I, I know I talked to you about this. People, a few people said, yeah, no, I understand why you did what you did, or maybe they said, I don't understand, but they said, um, I think you're blowing it out of proportion. The woke church. Oh. Intersectionality. Critical race theory. They said, Jeff, I think you're, yeah, I think you're I blowing, see those comments. you're blowing it out of proportion. And what I thought to myself is, well, that explains why you weren't prepared for the language. Yeah. Why you didn't understand why I said what I said. Yeah. You don't understand what we're up against. Oh, no. Because, well... I'll throw it out, and you can feel free to add to this. I can tell you right now of new families we yeah. have at Apologia Church just in the last four to five weeks. Mm -hmm. I've met with families who were even in leadership at what used to be historically solid Reformed churches locally who are now with Apologia Church, and they were essentially told, uh, it's probably best you leave. Um, over what? Intersectionality, critical race theory. There are historically solid Reformed churches in our area. Yep that have now gone off the cliff into cultural Marxism, intersectionality, all this stuff. They've just adopted it, and guess what? It's not just on the low key. It's actually at the pulpit now, yep. and they're saying, we believe these things about critical race theory. We believe this about white people and, and their, their inherent sin because of their ancestors. Like, we believe this. We believe this. White people, you're all in sin and need to repent of your white supremacy. It's like, I look around going, what, what, me? Me? 
Do you know my background? Do you know where I came from? Do, do you know where my family came from? Do you know my ancestors? And if they had anything to do with the slave trade and you want me to repent of this? And also, what about my unity with brothers and sisters in Christ? Like you're going to now all of a sudden create this low-key racism within the church that says it's okay to hate white people your white brothers and sisters, and that white and black brothers and sisters can't truly be unified today, right now, in Christ, because something else must be done. Yeah. Atonement must be made. Well, it's already been made. Right. This is so serious, it's so dramatic, and we've got families at our church right now that are now becoming members of Apologia Church. These people aren't even connected to each other. They're from local churches that are going woke, mm-hmm. and their leadership have completely lost it. And they're losing the gospel, mm-hmm. losing their, their fix on the gospel. Historically, solidly reformed churches locally, we've got these families coming to us and people who are leaders in these churches. And they were told, it's probably best you leave because this is where we're going now. Yeah. And so we also have men that we love. Yeah. We, I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to, on this episode, name names yeah. locally. We have talked about maybe needing to do that in the future. But That's we, how bad it is. Yeah, we have people that we know and love who are leading their churches in this area. I see, I've see. i seen pictures of pastors of Reformed churches that were historically solid in a march downtown or wherever they were in Phoenix. I've seen multiple pictures of multiple people holding up the communist Marxist fist alongside a bunch of other Marxist BLMers with LGBT flags flying behind them in the march, and you've got these solidly reformed pastors historically marching with the Marxist fist up. In that context, don't tell me that's biblical justice. You're lying to yourself, and you're a pimp because you're prostituting God's church for this wickedness. And so when someone says to me, I just think you're blowing it out of proportion, okay, well, we'll see. How much are blowing in our proportion when you see the kind of racism that is now rampant, right. growing and growing within the Christian churches who are adopting this garbage? And we're going to see also how much I'm blowing it out of proportion when you see that all of the communism coming into our nation, all this stuff that's going to destroy lives and kill people as it always has, is allowed into this nation because of the woke church. Mm-hmm that is yielding to this garbage and allowing it into the church and into our nation. You see people historically that were like solid dudes 15 years ago. You were like, I recommend that book. Read that guy. Now you've got this guy telling people that, um, that, uh, that, that, that they're guilty because they're ancestors. Yeah. What? What happened? Right. What happened to the gospel? What happened to the biblical worldview? No view? forgiveness in the, right. in the worldview. All of us, every white person owns, owes at least a million dollars reparations. Is that yeah. right? Me? Do you know my ancestors? Do you know where my family came from? Do you know Do you know where my family or his family came from? Do you know where his his parents, his uh, sorry, his grandfather was a missionary in Africa that built hospitals and saved so many people's lives and souls? To it's a white pastor mm-hmm. in in black tribes. He's like a hero in Africa in this area now. Him too. He owes reparations. His family owes reparations. Where does this end, brothers and sisters? This stuff is devastating to the gospel. It's going to kill the church. I'm watching it kill churches locally. And so when someone tells me you're blowing it out of proportion, what I want to say is you need to be awake in a biblical sense and open your eyes. Yeah, don't don't get woke, but be awake. (laughs) Pay attention. Pay attention. This is destroying lives. It's destroying churches. It's destroying the gospel. It's destroying our unity in the faith. I 
hate this racist ideology that has snuck in under the radar into the church under we're trying to protect the church against racism. You're creating a racist church. You're creating a racist church and you're destroying the unity we have in Jesus Christ. I hate the woke gospel. It is destructive. It is evil. It has no basis in scripture. It is not God's standard of justice. You want to talk about justice? Let's go to the law of God. Let's do that. You know what the woke people won't do? They won't go to the law of God. They ain't going to the law of God to say, what are God's standards of justice? How do you stop police brutality? How do you stop this kind of injustice in society? What I want to say, as the Puritan that I am, is, uh, well, let's go to that law of God and see what it says. How about we do that? Let's actually employ the general equity of these laws of justice that God's already stipulated. Let's put them in society today. Sound good, wokey Wokerton? What was it Nate said? Wokey McWokeface? And, and you know what the you know what these 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 pseudo Marxist pimps will say? They'll they'll be like, well, no, we're not, we, no, we're not under law, but we want justice. What justice? What you want? You want the the you want the dialectical materialism that drives BLM Marxism to be answering the question about what's just in society? Mm. How, what does matter matter? That was my question in the, in the talk. Why does matter matter? It's a materialist perspective. Why does matter matter? What's justice in that perspective? You aren't speaking the same language. Because when Luke and I, as pastors, say we need to establish justice in this world, we're saying first the world needs to be saved through Jesus Christ, and then God's law needs to be looked at as to what is just. Those Marxists aren't having that conversation. They're not going, oh, what's that book say? What's that book say about justice? They're not doing that. They're employing their unbelieving, humanistic, secular perspective to the issue of justice. And what are you getting? Pain. Pain. Mm. That's what you're looking forward to. I think the point I realized how bad things were here even locally, I think it was Father's Day. I remember because I I made a long post on Father's Day. And uh, um, which I'm not one for conspiracy theories but i think it's awfully convenient that this blm stuff exploded under uh well no churches were meeting during, during covid but because it just kind of like went under the radar you know and like all of a sudden there's these protests and there's reformed christians at these marches saying crazy stuff and you're like what what just happened right like we're wasn't like that three months ago or six months ago so i think the point for me was that you know i think you know i'm talking about there's a family that we know very well that's uh, solid reform family, white family. They've adopted two black children. They were at the BLM rally here in Phoenix, and their son was holding a sign that said, no lives matter until black lives matter. <sighs> and that's when I realized, oh, my goodness. We're in Because these are people that I know. And that, love. And I love and are solidly reformed people. And I was like, well, one, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Right. One. But two, I was like, we're yeah, this is bad. It's bad. So that's that's that was the point I realized that, yeah, no, this is a really, really awful So situation. as pastors, yeah. we see this at a local level. Oh, yeah. We're ministering in this context. Yep. We've seen friends now fall off the cliff. Completely. And we're seeing it on a national level. Yes. And we're seeing churches on a national level, and you're seeing major publications or organizations that used to be historically solid adopting this, and they're going that full way now. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it's total destruction. Right. Yeah. Marxism, when Marxism gets into a culture, the first thing it needs to get rid of is the Christian church. I mean, you, you, you see this in history. Yeah. Uh, was it Engels? Engels that was talking about. It was Marx and Engels. I think Engels around the time of Spurgeon was like, oh, yeah. If I can get yeah. rid of any one person, it'd be 
this guy. Yeah. You got to get rid of the Christian influence in the culture. It's not compatible with Christianity. Exactly. And so that's what happens when it comes into a culture. It's got to first destroy the church. Yeah. One of the ways to destroy the church is to make the church think that what you're saying is right. Yeah. And they start saying it too. Yeah. Like you can kill the church, you can crush us, poison us, gas us, whip us, crucify us, kill us to get rid of it. Get rid of us. You never will, by the way. Um, or you can actually get into the church, infiltrate it, and make her all of a sudden stop listening to the voice of the bridegroom and start saying what Mark said. Right? <laughs> like, have her start talking like Mark's rather than Jesus. Mm. It's one of the ways you can destroy the church and the culture. Mm. You can do it like that. You can make her start reciting Mark's instead of Jesus. So I want to say final word here, and we're, we're actually, we, we're going to play the video with, with Doug and the way out. I think we're good. I think we're good. That's I think we're good. That's, that's, it's like, that's a 10-minute one anyways. Yeah. It's long. I was just going to say one more thing. I mentioned sure. this. I think it was the last show we did, actually, because it was right before Nashville. We had Gabe on when he had just got arrested. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, that also was in the background. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, something that Toby had said in that emergency show, it's perfect. He said the gospel, um, the point of the, the purpose of the gospel is not to coddle the culture, but to confront it. And that's what we're seeing um, is the the gospel is coddling the culture, and and so it's time for pastors and it's time for Christians and Christ's bride to start confronting it. That's right. That's right. And it's interesting too. One of these comments here from Greg says, "I've appreciated Jeff, but have lost a lot of respect after hearing this. Totally unnecessary and opens the door to any language. Please don't try to excuse it with every other social issue. It shows that Greg, you're not listening." You didn't listen. Yeah. Anybody who listened to this heard me actually address what you said. So you must have just popped in, or you haven't, or you just have you just checked out. You haven't been listening, because I refuted what you said in this show, and it just goes to show sometimes as Christians we're not really willing to be humble enough to listen to the other side. Right. Right. Because what I because I'll use this, I'll use your argument right now, and just we'll end the show with this, Greg. I'm going to use your argument right now with Ezekiel and Isaiah. Ezekiel, you can't talk like that. You can't, you can't talk about horses, members, and ejaculation, an issue like horses or donkeys. You can't do that. You can't call Israel a whore. You can't say she's a hooker that, like, you know, spreads her legs to everybody and, like, offers herself. Because this is going to open up the, this is open up the highway for anyone to just start talking like that all the time. Or Isaiah, you know, you used a filthy wor- word and something ceremonial unclean. And, and Paul, you know, you said scubala, and that's just, that's just dirty. You're going to open up the path to anybody talking like that. I think it's best you don't use it. No, I'm, I'm fine with how the writers of Scripture spoke. And I'm fine, fine with the context in which they did it. And it's, it's situations like this that I think show a very, very important need for understanding categories, categories, mm-hmm. right? Unwholesome talk, this is normative experience as a Christian, versus being in a fight and somebody's about to be spiritually slaughtered. And so you have to say the hard thing to them in that context. And so I would say in issues like this, we need to make sure we examine ourselves, be humble enough to listen to one another, and I want to say finally, to those brothers and sisters in Christ whom I love so much, uh, my brethren that I care so deeply about, if you were offended by what I said, and I could have in any way as a pastor been better at qualifying it or explaining it, then I would want to ask for your forgiveness and say, I want to make sure that I communicate in such a way that people understand exactly what I'm doing, and I want to always get better as a minister of the gospel. So if I offended you unnecessarily, I truly apologize. However, to those that I said it to, I meant it. I meant every word, 
and I, uh, I won't take it back. And if you were to ask me, would I do it exactly the same way? My answer is before God, yes, I would. Yes, I would, because I, I knew what the problem was. I knew what I was doing. And if you ever hear me speaking like that, just know I've thought about it. There was a reason for it, and I mean it. Um, you need to understand, I think, that perspective. So uh, God bless you all. Anything you want to add? Nope, I think this is great. Hopefully helpful. Hopefully helps to sort of contextualize for everybody and give, give an understanding of background. Thank you all so much for loving us and blessing us. Uh, encourage everybody, go to endabortionnow.com. Go get signed up. Uh, have you looked at that room over there? Yeah, I just saw that. We had we. I know there was fifteen churches just from the conference. Yeah, just from the just ready. To, just I mean, we had, were ready to fight. Like some of these rowdy. churches, guys. One church. Some of these churches, just one church, has saved like over two hundred. Like some churches, like saving three hundred. So when you see like fifteen boxes getting ready to leave here, yeah. that's fifteen more churches. How many more hundreds of children? I don't know. Right. It's incredible. So like I always look at that and I'm like. Man, praise God. Uh, what, what a humbling thing to be a part of this. Yep. So go to endabortionnow.com. Get signed up. Get all the free training, all the free resources. We don't want anything from you. And uh, get, get started to bring the gospel against the culture of death. We love you all. Thank you so much. That's Luke the Bear. Peace out. I'm Jeff the Ninja, and we'll catch you next week.